You're listening to the Unsigned Chat Podcast. Hello, welcome to episode 9 of the Unsigned Chat Podcast. Now, I know a lot of you have been asking, where's Jaina? Is she coming back? Is she still part of the show? Yes, Jaina is very much still part of the show. She is going to be coming back. As some of you may know, if you follow Unsigned Chat or if you follow Jaina directly on her social channels, she's very much a, a very active um, independent artist. So she's away doing her music stuff at the moment, but she is coming back. She will be back and we will be recording a show um, this week that we'll be pushing out for next week. But as the age-old saying goes, the show must go on, and indeed it does. So I'm pleased to have on the show this week our guest, and it is someone you'll know um, as he hosts Music Hour UK on Thursdays. So I'm pleased to welcome to the show Toby Davis. Toby, welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us. And how's your week been? How are you? Uh, hello. How about yourself? Good. Yeah, good, thank you. Just been a bit of a busy one, really. I'm just glad it's Friday. Yeah, I kind of I had a strange week. I actually got ahead of myself. I thought it was I thought it was Thursday when it was still only Wednesday. Usually it's the other way around. Usually I think it's Wednesday when it's already Thursday. So I had a sort of an extra day. So it was it was quite nice. It's been busy, but it's been fun. It's been I've, I've had a couple of different things to do this week, and it's it's been a good laugh. Yeah, well, that's good. Firstly, Toby, I must thank you for your hosting of Music Hour UK on Thursdays. So that seems to be going really well. It does. It seems to have got a little bit more momentum about it now. It's a little bit busier and there's a, there's a little bit more going on. Um, I think the, the weekly polls help. I think putting Definitely. out the, the, those questions every week, I think just, it just gets it in people's mind, you know, that it's happening. And, and um, you know, it, it's sparking off discussion and debate. And, um, yeah, I think that's definitely helping us a lot. Yeah, definitely. I think at the beginning we sort of struggled a bit because I think there was a bit of sort of I think it was some hashtag fatigue had set in by Thursday, you know, sort of through the Monday to the Tuesday. I think by the time the Thursday got around, people were like, oh, no, no. I think they had yeah. to save themselves for the Friday evening with the, because um, they, they used to have, um, what was it called? They used to have the unsigned hour, didn't they, on Thursdays, but then they, on Fridays, but then they moved it. Yes. Because, um, I mean, we even used to do music hour on a Friday as well. No, and Fridays is a, it's not a good day for the internet, is it? They say that traffic is down on gen- in general. Right, Fridays and oh, Saturdays. Okay. Apparently, that's true. That Fridays and Saturdays tend to be the quietest days because, if you know, imagine if you're at work and you're, you know, you're rushing to get things finished because you want to you want to leave early or you want to go out for drinks with your mates or whatever. So you're not really messing about on the internet as much. Whereas when it comes around to Monday, you might be a bit like, oh, a bit slow. So you might be, I'll oh, just Google this and I'll just check this out and I'll just Facebook that. And apparently, that's true. That Sundays, Sundays and Mondays are very good for it. But Fridays and Saturdays, the internet traffic is a little bit down. All oh, right, okay, I didn't know that. Well, it's one of the things they say that's strange about the fact that the the music industry still releases on a Friday. Yes, it, and it just it just dates back to it's just the way they've always done it. And it's it's a, it's a strange uh, oddity, really, that the the music industry kind of insists on releasing the vast majority of new releases on what is the quietest day for internet traffic. And it's it actually doesn't really make any sense other than that's just the way it's always been done. So it's just the way the industry continues to do it. That's the thing, though, is it? They seem to like continuing what's gone on historically rather than looking at what would work now. 
I think it's just everything is so geared that way in the sense within the industry that all the blogs and magazines and you know, playlist curators are like that and and the artists and, and 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 everything else. I think that just the the sort of machinery of the industry, as it were, is just that's just how it's geared. So they, you can't really change it. We're sort of stuck doing this thing that doesn't really make complete sense. But OK, we'll do it because well, that's how it is. Yeah. Now, I know that. Uh, Toby, you're a fan of Jaina's music. No, because I'm trying to think what the last thing is. I heard, I saw an absolutely beautiful song that she'd done. It was, it was a fair few months ago now, though. But it was, I was gorgeous. It was just the the production was immaculate. It was a really beautiful piece of work. I, I love her music, you know. And I love her, her vocals as well on songs. I think it's just something about it that just goes so well together. I, th- I mean, for me, it's it's the care and attention that goes into every detail. By every aspect of it, from the way that she's singing it to the way that the, the musicianship and the instrumentation has been crafted to the way it's been mixed to the way it's been put together. Um, there's a real passion to that. And you don't always get that, particularly on the unsigned scene where you do have a lot of artists working from their own homes and all the rest of it. Um, it takes a lot of self-discipline to, to, to bring that level of... Um, of integrity and attention to detail to the work. And it's it's very satisfying when you hear it because you know that someone's really loved and cared about it. And I think that translates to the listener's experience, you know, that people respond to that. But, I mean, she's always busy, you know, she's not recording music. She's always busy um, either gigging or either on the podcast with me or she's got her own showcase show as well that she does. So she's heavily involved with music which is always good to see i think that's i mean that's something that i've certainly noticed in the last couple of years is that the successful artists they work hard at all of it not just the bits they enjoy there's a lot of artists out there that work very hard at the music and work very hard at the rehearsals and they work very hard at that part of it but they don't maybe they don't work so hard at the social media side or the networking or you know, or, or like um, working the players, curators and, and trying to, the, the, the tastemakers and the influencers. And, and, and you can understand why, because that part of it can be quite stressful. It can be quite upsetting even because it can be incredibly indifferent. You know, people can, you know, you can, you can work so hard on, on putting in lots of submissions and you're getting your press kit together and all that. And then like nothing happens and it can be heartbreaking. So you can understand why musicians don't do it. But the ones that are successful, they, they do, they tend to be the ones that work hard at all of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think also you've, you've got to love the process, haven't you? Rather than just like loving what the end goal is, you've actually got to love the process of how you're getting to that end goal. You mean I not just in terms of making the music, but also in terms of getting it out there and promoting it and all of it? Yeah, I think you've, you've got to really have a passion for all of it. The whole process or if you don't then you have to find someone to help you who does not all artists do i mean not all artists are i mean social media in particular can be very difficult for for some people it can be very bad for depression anxiety and things like that um and there's been a lot of studies into that that they can have very negative effects on people uh so it's not for everybody um and so i think if you are an artist who who you know that that's not really your thing, then you, you've either got to think about maybe stepping back from the artist side of it and maybe writing for other people 
working more behind the scenes. So you don't need to do all the sort of social media side of it. Or you need to find someone who's going to help you and help you with that side of it so that you can concentrate your energies on, on the part of it that you're good at and is good for you. Yeah, so some people need to build that team, don't they, around them? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's very true when you look at, when you look at, for example, home recording versus studio recording. And, you know, sometimes it can just come down to how you like to work. There will always be artists who, they don't want to worry about all the engineering side of it and the mix. You know, they don't want any of that. They want to focus on their music. And they're always going to want to go to a studio and record. And it's, you know, and it's not always a question of budget and, and practicality. It can be, you know, if, if that's how you work, then that's the way you've got to do it because it's the only way you're ever going to make good work by doing it. And I think that's the same with the promotion thing. It's, it's like there's a lot to be said for being honest with yourself about what you can and can't do. And then figuring out, as you say, you may well need a team of people around you. And how are you going to make that happen? And how are you going to you know, get to that point where you're then freed up to do the, the bits that you are passionate about and the bits that you can that you can do well. So how would you describe the music industry sort of difference between, because obviously you're based in Luxembourg, aren't you? Yeah. So how would you kind of describe the music industry there and how's that kind of different from oh. other places that you've kind of seen? I mean, Luxembourg is a very, is a very singular country and that you've got a population of half a million people of which I think 300,000 are foreign nationals. So right across the board, whether it be arts and entertainment or whether it be, um, you know, just, just daily life, uh, you have a very uh, special and unique um, uh, situation here in terms of how all of that works. Um, most of the artists here that you do have, um, they tend to be, they tend to work out of... Um, either recording studios or out of, with um, record labels or what have you, independent labels that are based out of Belgium or, or Germany or France. Uh, there are some recording studios here in, in the, within Luxembourg. But again, I mean, you're talking about a very small population base. So although there is local music being made, there's an there's a, there's a annual jazz festival uh, within the city of Luxembourg, which is very famous and it's very well attended. Uh, a sort of jazz and blues festival. Uh, and there's an awful lot of heavy metal being made here. They, they like the metal music here. Um, it's quite a peculiar market. And I, I'm not sure you can actually really have a fully functioning music scene in such a small nation. So, yeah, to compare it to, other, to, to, the, to the sort of music scenes of, of other countries, I think, doesn't really make, so much sense in a way because it is very very unique to itself um but then again so so is the uk where you have the phenomenon of the bbc uh, bbc introducing which is is very unique to britain and artists in the uk on one hand are very lucky to have the bbc to do that for them but on the other hand it does tend to sometimes blind them to to, to other possibilities that so they get very focused on it uh, and you can understand why because the, the the potential for how much it can help them is, is huge but 
you know, sometimes I think it, it kind of it kind of blinds them to, to to everything else that's out there because they're so preoccupied by trying to get onto BBC Introducing and trying to get pushed up the ladder. Um, so, you know, again, there you have, I mean, you know, you've got Britain there with what, 60 million people, whatever it is. Uh, and again, that's a very, it's a very unique market as well. So I'm not sure how much they compare to, 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 other, to other countries or other territories. I think there's one thing I've kind of noticed is certainly when you compare the UK to America, mm. the kind of way they go about things and the mindset seems to be very different. I mean, in America, they're, they're very big on like personal development and all that sort of stuff. And I think I think that's I think that's very true, and I think that's something that I, I I've noticed myself is that on one hand in in the in the UK you they're very very good at picking up artists who are who are quite young um singer songwriters you know usually acoustic guitar or piano what have you um and they get a lot of support they get a fantastic amount of support they get on the radio they've got lo lots of sort of local arts festivals and what have you and they're very free to be creative but on the other hand is anyone really there helping them develop as an artist? And is anybody there really kind of pushing them out of their comfort zone? And, and actually, yeah, helping them become the artist that they might be. Whereas you say in, in America, I think it's much more focused on that. Maybe too much. Uh, maybe there's too much focus on it. Certainly you see it, um, in Los Angeles at the moment, you see this phenomenon of, of so many artists arriving from all sorts of genre backgrounds, you know, uh, and within a short number of months, they're sort of, they're kind of, they're all doing the same thing. They're all doing this dance pop or, or electro pop, whatever you want to call it pop. They're all doing this very, very kind of conservative and, very, and it's very similar approach. Um, so probably somewhere in between the two of those extremes is probably a, is probably a nice balance. But um, it is certainly true, as you say, there's, there's a lot more focus on actually developing an artist uh, uh, in America than there is, say, in the UK. I think there's a lot of great artists that are coming from America. I think also as well, the UK have got a lot of great artists. So do you think that there's kind of like an issue with supply and demand? Because obviously everybody wants to be successful in music. So do you then think that because there's such a, a vast amount of people that want to be successful, that it's then harder for everyone to be successful? I think there's, there's something that they say about poetry. They say that poetry is a peculiar art form because more people write it than read it. And I think that's becoming true of unsigned and independent music. That there's an awful lot of people who make it who aren't even listening to it. There's a lot of independent artists out there who, yeah, they listen to their friends' music who are also independent artists. But other than that, they just listen to mainstream music. And I think that that's, that is in of itself a real problem because if you're not listening to independent music, I think you're not able to really connect the dots between where you are now and where you need to be because the, the mainstream looks so far away. And I think a lot of artists will convince themselves that, oh, you know, when I'm in a, you know, like a big studio and blah, 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 it'll all sound like that. 
And what they don't realize is that just a little bit further up the ladder, there's a bunch of independent artists who are doing something very similar to what they're doing, but they're just pushing it to that higher quality. And the same goes for how they're promoting themselves, that because they're only concentrating on mainstream artists, they don't know how to promote themselves on an independent level. So they do this thing where they try to hype their releases. Oh, you know, we're going to drop our new release in a couple of weeks and you know, I'll be ready because our new release is coming out in a few days. And it's like, who do you think you're talking to? Your mum follows you on social media. You're talking to your mum right now. You don't have any fans yet. You can't hype something. You know, you can't, you can't treat a release like you're some megastar who's got like a million fans. You have to work differently. But because they don't listen to independent music, they don't know that. So they're not learning. They're not learning from their contemporaries. Um, and I think that is actually a, a big issue. And I think if you do want to make independent music, getting involved in, with the community of independent music makers, whether it's online or local or both, is so good and so positive on any number of levels, not least because it's going to help you understand how to connect to your audience and how to promote your music. I think one of the things that I've kind of noticed is that when they do the hype, they then release the EP, the single, their album, and then that hype kind of then dies down. They then kind of don't push it as much. They then yes. trying to then move on to the next sort of EP or the album or the single. That's something they say, isn't it? I remember I was reading. I can't remember where I read it. It was a while back. It's something I've read a few times that they say that the, that the bands that do well, the bands and artists that do well are the ones that keep pushing the singles, keep pushing the release. Um, and they, they do say that, like, for example, when you're contacting playlist curators and what have you, it's not always best to promote your latest release, to, you know, to suggest that to the playlist curator, because you may actually have something that you, you released six months ago that will actually be better for their playlist. So they shouldn't just sort of naturally kind of keep pushing the newest thing and the newest thing and the newest thing it, it is a good idea to sometimes, you know, let, let maybe send them a couple of tracks to choose from or, or you know, or listen to the playlist and really think, well, okay, what have we got that really suits this? So, yeah, no, I think that is true that there's a sort of, there's a sort of sense to which they, as you say, they kind of, they hype it, but then once it's out there, they just, they, they want to go back and make music. They just want to go back and, and be playing music and making music. And they're like, okay, we've done that. So now the next thing. And, um, yeah, but I think that's a big challenge. I think, to, um, again, it's, it's that sense of, I think the, the way you do it is a little bit every day. Uh, and if you do that, then you build a platform for your release. And when you do drop the release, it looks like a lot's happening. But in fact, it's because you built up this network of fans and connections with blogs and place curators, what have you over a period of weeks and months and then when you do drop that then it that and i think it can fool artists into thinking that the way you make progress is by releasing music and, and that's it but in fact I, I think in a way you make more more progress just by working a little bit every day to connect to fans to 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 to, to get them interested in the kind of the story of you as an artist the story of you as a band so they feel like they're on a journey with you and they feel like they know you and they feel like they're having a conversation with you. So that when you do drop music, they, 
they feel involved. They feel, they're already emotionally invested in it. That's why I think it's important for some artists to actually look at like vlogging the musical journey. Mm. So people can see what you're doing, not just, hey guys, I've got an album to release, come and buy it here. But they're actually invested in it from the start. They've got, they can see the process that's gone into it and the effort you're putting into it to produce the final copy. But it seems that a lot of artists just want to focus on the music, release it, and then move on to the next music. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think it's I think what is true is that I, the the days of kind of that sort of that that routine of um, you know in the studio record the album tour the album, record the album, tour the album, record the album, tour the album. Those days, are, they're not gone exactly. You can still do it that way if you want to. But because of social media, because there's so much access, because it's 24-7, the line between production and promotion has, well, it's not blurred. It's just completely gone. And, for you know, for better or for worse. And you can argue that in some ways that's a very bad thing because it means that artists are kind of constantly under the pressure to be trying to, you know, to to be talking to the fans and putting stuff out there and always feeling like they're promoting. And maybe that's not even great for making music in some ways, but it is the way it is. I mean, that's, you know, that's what we have. And yeah, I think if you want to be an artist um, or a band in this day and age, it's something you have to accept and you have to find your way of working with it and a way that makes sense to you. Um, I don't think that necessarily means that everybody has to write a blog or make a V-blog or do podcasts or, or whatever, but you have to do some of those things. Um, yeah. You have to find the way that works for you. I, I, not everybody is comfortable in front of camera. Not everybody is, is very good at expressing themselves through the written word or what, what have you. It's about finding what works for you. And, it, and that for me, that's part of defining yourself as an artist. And another thing you notice with the artists that are successful is they do tend to embrace that side of it and think, okay, and see it as another opportunity to be creative and another opportunity to help express themselves and sort of frame and package their music. Whereas the ones that kind of resent it, they're never really going to do well with it because they're not disposed to. That's a good point. Did you, well, I'll be interested to get your kind of uh, thoughts on this. Did you see, um, a tweet that I put out this week, um, it was actually from a, a video that Damien Keyes had done that was on about um, don't sell music. Oh, I've seen, I saw, I, I saw some of the video. I haven't watched it all the way through. I did, I saw the beginning of it. I did watch a little bit of it. So I think I got the gist. I thought um, that, that was quite an interesting idea. Because um, obviously, you know, as we know, record sales are certainly physical CD sales are slumping. And when you look at nowadays the amount of platforms that are out there, whether it be SoundCloud, Spotify, or the other ones, everyone now can consume your music for free. Mm. To then kind of say to people, here's my music on Spotify, here's my music on SoundCloud, go and buy my album. I, I think, I think what's what, what I think. Well, what I'm coming around to think. I'm not. I'm not kind of quite there yet because I'm an old man, you know, so it, it takes me time to come around to new ideas. Um, but I'm getting around to the idea that the concept of a release is kind of dead. That okay. it doesn't, this whole idea that, hey, guess what? My song's out on Spotify. It's in your phone. You, 
you can get it on your phone, kids. It's like, that's not exciting. I'm sorry, it's not. It's not like when you had to go down to a record shop and be like, ooh, and actually buy something and it was tangible. The good it's old not, days. Yeah, the, the good old days back when, you know, <laughs> a simpler time. Um, and I, which is why, like, for example, what I've done when I've done these, when I do my, my crazy little sort of Toby Sonic stuff, shameless plug, when I do a little bit of my own music and I've got my own instrumental thing coming out in the next week, which is, which is good fun. And I've already got it on spot. I've already got it on SoundCloud. Like as soon as I finished it, bang, put it on SoundCloud. Cause I just want people to, and I, and, and I, you know, I have all the pre-save links and pre-order links and all that next to it, but I'm just, ah, oh, just let people hear it. I just want people to hear it. And then they'll listen to it on whatever platform they want. Um, I've no idea how you make money from doing it. Of course, <laughs> I'm not sure what that is about. Um, but I do think it's true. I think that the idea that you're going to get people excited about your music that way, yeah, it's, I don't think that I don't see that happening. Um, I think you, you, you're trying to get people to listen. That's what you want. You want people to listen and ask for making money. I mean, yeah, I'm not sure about that side of it, actually. It's interesting. I think, I mean, a lot of what that I think looking at the mainstream, I think they seem to make money through selling merchandise, basically. They seem to be making money by selling perfume and clothing lines and things like that. I'm not sure they're making so much money from selling music anymore. It seems to be very much about brand awareness and brand value. Yeah, because a lot of them now, as you say, seem to do like perfumes, don't they, or underwear lines. And there seems to be a whole array of things that they do. I'm going to do Toby pants. It's going to be a thing. Uh, I, I think it could rival Victoria's Secret one day, Toby Pants. Um, they're just going to be big and practical and comfortable with some pockets. Because you, you, you never have, never have pockets. <laughs> and you need pockets. You need to put something, you know, you need a pocket practical, that. So I, I'm going to do Toby Pants, I think. Um, as I get older, there might be, you know, once, you know, a few more years, there'll be like Toby adult diapers. That, that'll, that'll be, <laughs> well, once I get to that age. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be the first celebrity to endorse them. It's, it's a niche market. It's, not, it's an untapped market. I'm, I'm, it's, my, it's my retirement plan, that. It's going to happen. But, um, it's, it's, no, good you, it's, good that, it's good that you're planning long-term. Well, you have to. You have to. You have to plan long-term you nowadays. You, you've got to think. You've got to be flexible to the, market, to the changing market. You never know. Uh, but I, I've, got, I've got a good feeling about Toby Pants. I think it's going to work. Um, I mean, I do have, I have, I have a poster out. I do, I am working on some uh, merchandise ideas. Um, but um, no idea whether you make any money from it or not. But I, I, I know that's something that happens because my, ba my background's actually in, in film and video and I used to make uh, a couple of independent things and what have you. And um, I know that's something that independent filmmakers got into a while back, like 20 years ago now, is that they got into the idea that they were never going to make money from their movies. So they made movies that they knew they could sell merchandise, that they would, they would create a very cool brand. And then they basically just, they knew they'd get fleeced on the movie, so they basically just gave it away because they just wanted it out there. But they had all the T-shirts and, you know, and, and all the merchandise ready to go so that they could actually make money on that bit. And yeah, maybe that's the way music is going. Maybe that's how independent musicians have to start thinking. They have to start thinking, you know, when you're picking your band name or your artist name or whatever it is, you, you have to think what would look cool on a T-shirt? Like what, what would look, how, could, how are we going to market it? Merchandise is an interesting thing as well, isn't it? Because 
I mean, on a previous episode of the podcast, we were talking to Sancho Bloom, mm. and he had pretty much made all his merchandise um, online, and it was all like a drop shipping. So he didn't really physically have to get involved in anything. Yeah, no, and I think that's a good way to go. That, I think that is because um, then there's no there's no money down. You're not you're not risking anything, and that's I mean it, it takes your times, and I suppose you, in one way your time is money, but. But absolutely. I mean, I think if you're not having to, to risk investment in it, then at least you start effectively, you've broken even when you start. So, yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for that approach. Definitely. And I think also because you're not then having to, like, get a load of stock bulk made. Mm. It's literally made to order. So you haven't got a lot of stock to carry. With T-shirts, you're always going to have people like who want different fittings and different colors and, and and what have you and that can get incredibly expensive uh whereas if, as you say if it's all virtual stock and if the shop has got uh has got good customization options they can tailor the product to what they want to their own specifications and many of these stores will allow the um the shopper to actually customize the design itself uh, and that is something they say is a very good idea is is when you do put designs online, keep them unlocked, keep them so that so that the the customer can customize them themselves so they can tailor it to their own tastes um, because they're much more likely to want to buy it then because they get involved in it and they can be creative and they can express themselves like you know don't hold on to it too much you know let let them have it, you know let them take ownership of it because that's I think where people are right now is they want to express themselves very personally through how they, um, for how they spend their money, from how they consume, from, you know, for, they don't want things that look the same as everything else. They want everything to be very personal to themselves. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I think it's, it's kind of interesting how the audience has kind of changed. Now artists have to kind of change to meet kind of the new demands of the uh, audience. Well, I know, I know a, uh, a very talented singer-songwriter uh, in the U.S. who um, he, he works under the name The Workday Release. Uh, he makes uh, beautiful songs, beautiful songs. I'm very, very lucky to know him a little bit. And um, he did something absolutely beautiful for, for some of his fans. They, um, they wanted to use one of his songs uh, for, their, for their, the song at their wedding, you know, the first song they play for the first dance or, or what have you. And he actually recorded a special version of it with, with lyrics specific to them that he actually, he took the time to go back and actually do a, a version just for them, just for their wedding. And I think it's a, that is such a beautiful way to connect your fans and, and, and what an amazing way to actually make them feel part of the music. And uh, you know, when there's so much kind of, kind of, kind of fake kind of call to action kind of things that a lot of artists will try and do to try and get interaction because we've all read the same books and the same blog, you know, the same sort of how to get interaction with your social media, you know, top 10 tips and yeah. all that. And he's just some, done something that's so honest and, and emotional and, and sort of beautifully personal. I think that's an absolute object lesson for, for anyone who's, who's looking to connect to their fans, uh, particularly for singer-songwriters. Uh, I absolutely loved it when I when I heard about that. I just thought that's fantastic. So, what sort of 
bands you listen to at the moment or artists you know who you i just put the new music monster together today i've just put the playlist together that i that i curate every friday uh i've got a fantastic new track from the trusted who are just a great band uh coming up in the uk they've got a new song called vicious which i'm going to be reviewing for for brash uh this coming monday and we've got an interview coming up with music talks as well which tracy helped set up which is fantastic uh they are really good bunch of lads and really hard working great music i love it and i'm a total sucker for a good old-fashioned band you know i as much i I love all the new sort of electro pop stuff as well i can get into a lot of the indie tronica and things like that but i do like a good old-fashioned band with guitars there's something really special so uh that's up um and then there's i'll see if i get his name right now there's a i think it's owen felstert Felstead, I hope it's pronounced it right. He's got a new track out called Hold On Me. Uh, and he's like 16 years old or something and insanely talented. Uh, so I'm going to be reviewing that as well, which um, because uh, he's, he's a really good guy as well. He's always giving shout outs on social media. He's, he's very grateful for things. He's very humble. He's got a great attitude. Uh, and he's exactly the type of artist that you want to help out. Because he not only is he crazy talented, but he's also a really good bloke. And um, you don't always get that. You know, sometimes, you know, unsigned artists can act like it's a bit of a, you know, that they sort of, it's a bit of a birthright. So um, those two in particular, I think, are, are, are very cool new music. And then, oh, there's a, a bunch of bands. Too many to mention. Uh, there's so much new music out there. I was talking to a friend about it the other day and saying, it's great as a fan. It's kind of intimidating. It's a little bit overwhelming when you're trying to work in the independent sector. And you think, wow, there's so many great bands out there that they're barely getting any traction and stuff. And you think, yes, it's intimidating just how much great stuff's being made and, and how hard it is to stand out from the crowd right now. I've heard of that Owen Falstead before, I think he's he's involved with music hour, isn't he? he? Joins in. I think he comes in, he comes in, he comes and go. Yeah, he's he's a very good guy, and he's done. Um, he's got. I mean, one of his singles has got like I think a quarter of a million streams on Spotify. Um, he's doing very well. He's one for the future. That well, one for right now. I think he's on a Spotify playlist as well. So he's um, one of their editorial playlists. So that's very good stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, no, absolutely, definitely someone who's worth checking out. Uh, and they're both—I mean, they're both UK artists as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's that's just been—it's um, it's, it's a pretty good week of releases this week. We had some good releases last week as well. So but as I said, there's a lot of good stuff going on. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's just in the UK. Um, so yeah, lots of good new music coming out. So let's just talk about you and sort of your music and what you're up to at the moment. And well, my I've got you know, I've actually got a little bit of downtime in fact because I'm waiting. Um, Katie's um, recording the Katie Allen, who I've been working with for a while. We uh, what was going to be an EP and is now actually going to be an LP. There's going to be a few more tracks on it. Katie's just um, finding the time to to record the last few tracks. And obviously, like a lot of artists, she's got full-time job and everything else as well. So she's got to find time to 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 balance all of that and get that done. So I'm waiting on that so that I can actually work on everything all together and make sure that 
that everything sounds consistent and sounds like it comes from the same sort of emotional world. Um, so what have I been doing this week? I've just mastered a track um, for an American artist called Casey Cover called Love of My Life, which I'm working with uh, a friend of mine who he, he produced and mixed it. And I think he, I don't think he wrote all of it. He co-wrote it. Um, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful track. It's, it's very different from what I usually do when I'm mixing. Um, it's, um, it's much more in the sort of that kind of dance pop kind of area, but it's a little bit of hip hop in there as well. There's a little bit of soul kind of R&B as well in there as well. And um, it's a very cool track. Um, I think that's going to be out maybe the beginning of next month, I think. I'm not sure if there's a fixed release date for it, but it's very, very nice. And I've listened to a few things that they're working on at the moment, which I'm going to be doing the mastering for. And uh, it's very exciting stuff. It's very, very good. Um, and yeah, and I mean, I've got the, the Toby Sonics. Um, my first instrumental release is out next week. Uh, my Samurai, fa Samurai Fanboy, it's called. Um, which is kind of exciting and also completely intimidating, obviously, for me. Because uh, I'm more of a professional noisemaker than an, absolute, an, an actual musician. Um, but yeah, people have heard it, so it's doing all right. It's had six, six, 60 or 70 people have listened to it on SoundCloud, and you know, nobody's died yet, and I haven't been trolled or anything yet. I've not had anybody go, Oh, it's rubbish, it's terrible, what are you doing? Give up, it hurt my ears. Did you, did you make it with earmuffs on or anything? I haven't, I've not had any hate mail yet, so that's okay. Um, I think, I think things is, Toby, is because you're so good at what you do. That's why I don't think anybody like hates your music. I, I don't know, actually. I mean, I, I, you know how it is when it's your own things. You just hear all the mistakes. When I listen back to the stuff that I've mixed and mastered and what have you over the last sort of year or so, pretty much I'm pleased with the, the kind of the broad strokes of it. I think I got the sort of emotional feeling of the tracks right. When it comes to the technical stuff, it's like a laundry list of stuff. I'm like, oh, my God, why did I do it that way? That's terrible. Um, which I suppose is good in a way because it means I'm, I'm still learning, you know, like it means I'm still improving. I suppose you have to worry if you listen to something six months ago and go, wow, that was great. Um, but I really struggle to listen to some stuff because I'm just like, oh, dear. Oh, I didn't do well. <laughs> really messed that one up. Um, but um, I'm, I don't know. I, it's, I, as I said, yeah, I mean, when you hear your own stuff, it's just you just hear all the mistakes, I think. But um, where can people find you online? What's your social channels? And uh, you can find me either just produced by Toby uh, on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. It's all the same. Uh, or you can you can find me on Toby Sonics as well, all across the different uh, social network insights. Um, yep, or just or just join us on Thursday nights, uh, eight pm UK time on on Twitter hashtag Music Hour UK, and just join in with the banter. And the, and, the, and the hair rock videos that I share, because I'm a huge supporter of hair rock. Um, All right, Ian. Uh, it's, a much, it's a much maligned genre, I think. It's a forgotten genre that needs support. Um, it's all part of the, the sort of wacky way that we approached Music Hour UK, I think, on a Thursday. Sort of, you know, we've got something slightly different going on there, I think, from the other hours, so it's quite good fun. And um, that's, that's, I think that's what I like about Thursdays. It is completely different from the other hours, where the other two are more like just promote your music, join in whatever conversations you want to have. Yeah, 
Thursdays is just very different, which I think works so well. Well, we have, we have, thank, and we have. I've got to thank you as well for all your hard work with Thursdays. You've done really well with that. Oh, it's, it's been good fun, and we've got Chris Lee on there as well, my wingman, my buddy, who, of course, he's just um, he's just been selected to be a, a moderator for for Fresh on the Net by um, by Tom Robinson, whatever his name is. He's um, which is fantastic for Chris because he's I don't know where he finds all this new music from, but it's great. I mean, you get four new pieces of music every week from him, and I and then I review them live and. I never know what's going to come next, which is really exciting and, and, and um, uh, keeps my brain fresh uh, or as fresh as it can get. And um, no, it's great. It's a great, um, it's good fun for an hour. And I think it, we have kind of got into our own kind of banter about it. And we have the, the weekly, you know, we, the weekly poll about independent music. And yeah, I'd like to do more stuff like that. I think it'd be good fun to, to see where we can take it and, um, and, and get it more involved. Toby, thank you so much for joining us on this week's podcast. It's been great chatting to you. A big thanks also to everyone who listens to our podcast each week. And also feel free to join us on hashtag unsigned chat. And you can also join us on the hashtag music hour UK as well. Don't forget to join us next week where on next week's show, Jaina will be back. And also our guest is Emily Fay. So please tune in then. And until next time, thank you very much. <laughs>